You have arrived at episode 42 of the How'd You Get Into That podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What's up, my friends? Welcome to episode 42. Great to have you here with us. And uh, I hope things are going well for you. I've got a lot of emails from people lately who've said, uh, said man, the, the podcast is changing my life. It's really causing me to think about things differently. And I, you know, I always reply, listen, that's great. I hope it does cause you to think about things differently. I hope more than just thinking about things differently. I hope you actually do something with it. What are you doing as a result of what we're talking about? Every time you're hearing an interview, you're hearing an episode here on the show, and you're hearing something, you're just like, oh, that resonates, that I clicks, I get it, that makes sense, I need to do something different. That means nothing if you don't actually do something with it. So I hope that these uh, interviews and these episodes aren't just encouraging and inspiring to you, but I hope they're inspiring enough that they cause you to actually do something about what we're talking about. So take action with what you're gathering from these shows. Today, we got a good episode. Before we get to that, I want to uh, let you know, just this week, all right. Make sure that you are listening. Listen to episodes as they come out, because a lot of times I'm going to give you little things that are just time sensitive. So if you listen, you download, you listen like a week later, you may miss out, and I don't want you to miss out. So download, subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe uh, with an iTunes or Stitcher, and uh, make sure that you do that so that you're not missing out on anything that we we talk about here. Anything that is time sensitive. For example, we're going to be giving away a free coaching session with me. I can't wait to chit chat with someone from our audience. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to do a free giveaway for that. I will tell you at the end of today's interview how you can uh, be a part of that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, today's episode, we've got uh, a friend of mine, Drew Pittman, who is a NFL agent. This guy has helped over 100 NFL players and has worked uh, in the league for over 20 years as an agent. So if, you, if you've ever watched Jerry Maguire, the movie, and you're like, ah, oh, I love sports, I love business, I want to do that, then this is going to be a great show for you. So uh, excited to share this interview, this chat with you today. So let's get to it. Let's get to the field. Here you go. Drew Pittman, NFL agent. Enjoy. What's up? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today we are joined by Drew Pittman, who is a modern day Jerry Maguire. So if all the dudes that are listening who saw Jerry Maguire, they're like, I like sports, I like business, how do I become an agent? Drew is living our dream. So Drew, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. How you doing, Grant? It's great to be here with you. Honored to have you here. So I gave the, the quick snapshot that you are a sports agent, but tell us a little bit more about what you do. Wow. You know, people ask me all the time, what's a typical day? And there really is no such thing as a typical day. People also say, you know, when I meet them and they, they go, hey, that's really cool. And, and you know what? It, it is a lot of times. And then a lot of times it's monotonous, it's frustrating, it's maddening, just like any other profession. But, you know, what I do primarily is, number one, recruit clients to, to get new clients. So there's a sales aspect. And then two is I service those clients and I take care of them and I help them navigate their career in the NFL. I do strictly football. Um, I do have some coaches. but the, So those are the two primary functions that I do, sales, getting clients, and service, taking care of them. Nice. Give us a ballpark. How many clients do you work with today? 
Right now, we have roughly 30 to 35 players. You know, it's, it's constantly changing because guys are getting hurt and guys are, you know, getting out of the league by retirement. And then you got new guys coming in. And, and so right now we have about 35 players that we're working with that are in camps and at some stage of their career. Nice. I think, again, a lot of guys who are interested in sports and business, like we know very little, but just enough to know that it seems from the outside looking in like a brutally cutthroat industry. So correct me. Am I wrong on that? Is that pretty accurate? It's worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) Even worse than we'd imagine. Yeah. And the interesting thing is I got into this 23 years ago and it was really hard then. In fact, John Makovic, who was the head coach at the University of Texas at the time, I'd known Coach Makovic. My, my father-in-law, by the way, is Grant Taft, who uh, was the head coach at Baylor University for 22 years. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He was the National Coach of the Year one year. And, nice. And, and so he's now the, the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association. So I have a lot of access to various coaches. And, and years ago when I first got in, Coach Makovic saw me and he goes, hey, I hear you're doing this. He goes, you're never going to make it. And I go, wow, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement, Coach. No <laughs> and he goes, no, he goes, you're honest. He goes, you're never going to make it. Everybody out there is lying and cheating and stealing and all that stuff. He goes, you just never make it. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to do it right. And if I don't make it, then that's okay. I just feel like this is something that I'm supposed to do. And as hard as it was back then, it's even worse now. And the reason, you mentioned Jerry Maguire. It's funny. I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, hey, like Jerry Maguire, I could probably retire. There you go. But when that movie came out, before that movie came out, there was about 400 people registered, certified by the NFL Players Association as agent. Now, the year after that movie came out, it it went up to about 1,200. And now it's down to about 800. But there's only 1,600 roughly active players in the NFL, and there's 800 agents. And we have 35, and we are in the top 1% of, of all the agents. But, you know, CAA, who's probably one of the biggest, and there's a couple of other, you know, they have over 100 players. So there's a lot of guys who are certified as agents that don't have anybody. Yeah. I remember watching the uh, the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on it. Uh, what was it? Dot, dotted line? Something like that? Anyway, just very, very fascinating. Just following a, a uh, like kind of an up and coming agent, and you know he's taught, working with a couple of different up and coming players through the draft and through camps and all that, and and it just seemed so brutally difficult that you could put hundreds and hundreds of hours and thousands and thousands of dollars into a a potential player that may just not even pan out at all. They may just you know on a whim decide to pull it out and go a different direction or they may retire suddenly or they may get hurt or any number of things that could happen that could totally change the course of their career and obviously, you know, have a huge impact on your own career. Right. And the interesting thing about that story is the guy that they followed was recruiting a player that I was recruiting. Nice. Uh, and so in that, in the, in the story, he's talking and they're showing him in draft, you know, it's draft day and they show Brandon Hogan, who was the player, get drafted with the first pick overall in the fourth round. And he go, he makes the comment, oh, my gosh, that's the guy. That's the one guy that we thought we had. And, and you know, boy, he could have really changed the course of our business. He signed with me. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> There's the but backstory. I, but I felt bad 
for the agent because I've been in his shoes. Right. And one of the, you know, when I say the, the business can be maddening, I go through, I've already started, I'm recruiting for next year. And so you're getting to know players and, and you develop a relationship with them and you like them and you know their family and, and everybody likes each other. But having been in this long enough, I know that he's got a similar relationship with at least one other agent and maybe two. And so I know that that I can't get too emotionally attached right. to a player. And I learned the hard way because, boy, I getting started, man, I was like I was all friends and buddies and close with with a guy and and you know he was telling me stuff about his girlfriend and I mean we were close I really liked the guy and then it comes down to it and he goes oh you know it's really hard but I'm gonna go with this other guy and you just are crushed yeah and so that happens a lot and so it, that part of it is very hard you when people call me and I probably get two or three calls a week from guys that are like, oh, man, I'd do anything to get in the business. And my joke is that I tell them I'd do anything to get out. (laughs) (laughs) I'll trade you spots. (laughs) Yeah, but, and obviously that is a joke. I love what I do, and I feel like it's what I've been called to do. But it is just so hard. And breaking in is is even harder now. The, The capital that's required to be in this business is probably, it's probably been multiplied 20 times from the way it used to be. Yeah. And you know, you got guys who aren't going to the combine that when you sign them, they want combine training and that's, you know, that costs money. And then they want, you know, they need their phone bill, their cell phone bill paid and they need their rent paid. And so it's really a very, very difficult business. I feel like in some ways it's almost like, it's almost like the lottery and I'm not an advocate of the lottery at all, but in some ways you're, you're going, uh, I'm going to bet on this and I hope it works out. And in some cases, I'm sure you've got your huge success stories of like, you know, we took a risk on this one guy and it, it paid off massively and took a flyer on this other guy and it just bombed and everything in between. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the hard part. And like I say, in the, you know, even as little as eight, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, we would spend somewhere in the $10,000 range for a guy. You know, 15 years ago, we'd spend two or $3,000 on a guy when we sign him. So what you're betting is less. You right. know, my partner and I joke around that sometimes we feel like we'd be just as well off to take the money we were going to spend on recruiting and, and every year go to Vegas and, and go either red or black and spin the wheel. There you go. You know, because it is, it's not an exact science. And uh, having been in it, so long, we generally, number one, we have very good contacts in the NFL. So people who are making draft day decisions are guys that are talking to us and they're giving us real information. A lot of these agents, they're, they're talking to team people and they're getting generic feedback on a guy and they think, oh, they've, they've got the answer. And then they find out later that they really didn't have the answer. Yeah. But we're getting good intel we have decided that we're going to work with guys that, you know, number one, are smart. And, and when I say that, I mean they have, they have common sense, they have football intelligence. And they don't have to be PhDs, but they have common sense and they have football intelligence. We're going to work with guys that are honest and trustworthy because those are key characteristics that, you know, we want our clients to have. And then we're going to work with guys that have a passion for football because a lot of these guys, you know, they've been playing football for a long time and they're really good at it and they know that's where they've been blessed 
but they don't love the game. Yeah. And so there's a lot of those guys that are playing in the NFL right now. And, and we try and stay away from those types of guys if possible because those guys usually don't last very long. Yeah. But, you know, I made a decision on a guy a few years ago, and I just got the feeling that, that he didn't love football. And so I'm thinking, do I want to invest $25,000 in a guy that doesn't love football? And, and like you say, he could, he could come to me and, you know, halfway through training camp, which is extremely hard, and go, you know, I'm just not, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to quit. I just, you know, sitting for me. And then I go, oh, okay, thanks. I got $25,000 invested in you and you're walking away. Right. So those are the things that, that we really look for in, in players. Well, I think there's a real lesson there that, you know, from, again, from the outside looking in and even the advice you were given, it's like to go into that specific industry seems like you've got to be cutthroat. You've got to be willing to stab people in the back and hey, it's just business. It's just part of it. And that's the way things are done in this industry. But I think it's, it's really valuable to go into any industry, whatever that may be, and say, that may be the way it's done over there or traditionally speaking, but I can choose to set up my business and the, and the clients that I want to work with that's going to be fun and enjoyable for me because if I have to do it in that way, in the way that it's typically been done, ah, that sounds miserable. But if I can dictate and determine my own terms of what I want it to look like, man, that, that sounds a little more appealing and enjoyable. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I love about what you do, Grant, is you help people understand really how to have a career and to have a life that is not just a job. And, and so I think for that, I, you know, I, again, that's one of the things that really attracted me to what you do. And so along those lines of what you're saying, you're not going to enjoy getting up every day if you don't like who you are when you're sitting at your desk or doing what you do. Sure. And I feel like, I mean, we've been massively successful and, and personally, I thank the good Lord for that. But, you know, I think there, we probably could be more successful if we lowered our standards, if we decided that it was okay to ethically cut corners. And if we decided that it was okay to, you know, stab people in the back or do things that, you know, maybe we knew we wouldn't get caught doing, but, you know, we know are a violation of either law or rules. And, and so, and then the other thing that we've made a decision is that we're going to be, and when I say we, it's my partner, Craig Doman and I, and we're going to be dads and husbands first. We're going to model for our kids what it's like to be a successful person, not just a successful businessman. Love it. And go ahead. I was just going to say, no, I love it. I totally resonate with that. I think that's, you know, that's something that I, I'd say a lot that if, if I'm a great speaker, if I'm a great podcaster, if I make a difference in a bunch of other lives, but if I suck as a husband or as a father, it's just, it's just not worth it. You know, and there's a no. lot of things you can do in life and there's a lot, there's a, if we all got to work, I'd rather make more than less, but yeah, I don't want to, I still got to sleep at night and I don't want to cut corners in order to get there. And I want to be able to, to look at all my daughters and my wife and be proud of what I'm doing and in the way that, I, that I'm doing it. So it sounds like you're, you're doing the same thing there. So let's back up a little bit. Let's, let's get into the journey of, of how you got into this. Sounds like you kind of came up around football and, and you're born and raised in Texas. I am. Uh, I was born in Lubbock, grew up in, in the suburbs of Dallas and uh, now live just north of Austin. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, obviously, Texas, Texas uh, football is religion down there. So you've grown up in it. But at what point did you always want to become a sports agent or where did this kind of come into play? 
I didn't. But what happened was I, I did grow up. I love football. You know, I grew up. My dad started taking me to Dallas Cowboy games in the Cotton Bowl in 1968. I was eight years old. We had season tickets. You know, I was a diehard Cowboy fan. When they moved to Texas Stadium, he uh, he had a, bought a suite there, and so I was going to all the games. And so I was always a, a football fan. I never got big enough to, to really continue playing football, and I found out that I was, I was uh, a pretty good soccer player. And so I played soccer at, at Southern Methodist University during the Pony Express days. And so I think that's where it all kind of started, even though at the time I didn't know it, because at the time I thought I was going to go to Europe and be a professional soccer player. But when I got out of school and I realized that I didn't want to, to pursue soccer anymore, I become friends with a lot of the guys that, that were on those, those great SMU teams. And I saw them get out of school and they were treated just like an asset in a company. They weren't treated like human beings. And I, I was really... I just started thinking, you know, there's there's probably a place for somebody that would care about them as human beings. So I, I actually asked around and I, I met with a couple of companies that were in the industry and everybody said, you got to starve for a few years and I like to eat, so I didn't want to do that. And, and I just kept, but it was always in the back of my mind. My dad was a banker and I went to work in his banks and but it just always kind of was in my mind. And then I got in the commercial real estate business. And it was when commercial real estate was really dying in Texas. And I worked for a company that a friend of mine where we helped financial institutions work out of their bad properties. And so I knew that I was working myself out of a job. And when that actually happened, I was 29 years old and I thought, you know what, this is the time. And so I sent 150 bucks to the state of Texas to incorporate, had no idea what I was doing but I decided that I could learn, and I, you know, I, I had, I say, I had uh, no money and less sense, and and just started doing it. And uh, you know, people ask me, I say, how'd you get in it? And I always joke with them and say, I got hit on the head and lost my mind. But <laughs> I really do believe it's, you know, what God has called me to do and what He's gifted me to do. And man, things started falling in place, and and I, I. Uh, I didn't starve for the first three or four years, but I didn't eat a lot, <laughs> and uh, it was lean, and, and I was working my tail off, and I was single for the first couple of years, and then, you know, if people read my book, they'll, they'll hear the whole story, but I, I met my wife, who is, uh, you know, Coach Taft's daughter, and, you know, through that, we just together built this company, and like I said, met my partner, Craig Doman, a couple of years in, and, and that was a blessing, and so it's just been it's been a kind of a crazy ride. Yeah. So it sounds like um, so when you you're doing commercial real estate, you're realizing it's not what I want to do, but it's paying the bills for now. So the whole time you're just thinking, man, I, I gotta I gotta just take the leap. I just got to do this this sports agent thing. Are you just feeling like I I've got to do it? It's now or never. I felt like when I was doing the commercial real estate, and I I liked it. It was it was something that I enjoyed doing, but there was something about it that just wasn't it wasn't fulfilling what I would say in my spirit. It was fulfilling in a lot of ways, but I just felt like there was something else. And when I got, I actually got laid off about probably two years sooner than I was supposed to, but I feel like it was all, you know, divinely ordained. And, and it was, it was when that happened that I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and so I really did. It was kind of a, not an overnight thing, but it was, it was almost an overnight thing. 
So whenever you leave that, are you and you incorporate, you send in that 150 bucks. Do you have like any concept of how this actually works at that point in terms of like building an agency or like starting to get clients, or are you just kind of going, well, I mean, if we got to be poor for a little bit, we'll just kind of figure it out as we go. Or where's where's kind of your head at? Yeah, it was. I'm gonna figure this out. I thought. Maybe I was just being young and naive, but I thought, you know, some of these other guys can do it. I know I can. (laughs) And so I started learning. I started teaching myself. I started investigating. I started trying to figure it out. And I, you know, I started recruiting players. And of course, I started at Baylor because that's where I had some some ties. And I just started, you know, and I, I think a lot of it is common sense and then a lot of it is is having the ability to to make good decisions and to discern things that that come up and then a lot of being successful and being good at what I do is just having good business sense. Yeah. And and I had all that. You know, my father was a very successful businessman and I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot about negotiating from the the real estate business. I had a degree in finance from a a great university and about eight years of experience in the banking industry. And so I, I had a good base, but I did. I just, I figured if, if you want to do something, and this is something I tell people all the time, and hopefully your listeners will appreciate, is that if you want to do something, you, number one, you have to do it right. And number two, if you have a passion for something, pursue it. You know, I just pursued it with with all that I had, and and again, I was at the time I when I first started, I was single, and then you know we got married, and I had uh, a wife who was working and helping to pay the bills, and you know I was able to just go for it. Yeah, and it sounds like there's I mean there's a lot of people that I talk to who are in a similar spot. They're kind of at that crossroads of going, I'm doing a job. It's okay. It's not what I'd like to be doing, but it's not miserable or anything. And I, I could be doing something much, much worse. It's paying the bills. But there's this thing over there that I'd really like to try. And I just, I don't know, it may work, it may not. So wait, any idea what do you think it was that finally clicked for you when you're 29 going like, all right, let's just do it. And if it if it's a bust, okay. But if it's a success, great. But I want to know at least I tried. What was it for you that kind of pushed you over the edge? Well, number one, I had um, six years uh, roughly of investigating it before I actually did it. Gotcha. Know, because when I, I was about twenty three, when I started interviewing with some of those other companies, and so it wasn't it wasn't an overnight thing. It was a this is what. I think I would be good at. I think I I have the skill set for, and and so you know when that axe came down on me in in my other job, I looked around for some other things, and there was really nothing else available, and so it was kind of a combination of of factors, and then you know people who know me that know that I'm going to be prayerful about something, and, and and so I really felt like you know the Lord was telling me this is the time. And um, it wasn't it wasn't like a spur of the moment. I don't think that's the right way to make decisions. Sure. You know, I, I think you gotta you gotta think things through and you gotta take an honest evaluation. You know, I love music and I would I would love to at the time I probably would have loved to gone and played in a band or something, but I wasn't gifted that way. So sure. so so that wasn't gonna happen. But I did feel like I had the the skill set and was 
kind of gifted in ways that would make me be successful in in this industry. How long into it did you feel like you finally were starting to gain some traction? Because I'm assuming for the first, you know, months or even years, being such a difficult industry to get into, you're probably asking yourself a lot, you know, what am I doing here? Did I make the right decision? Second guessing and just kind of having those usual doubts, fears and securities that we all wrestle with. So at what point do you finally feel like, you're maybe getting over the hump, like you, you may are making some ground there. Yeah, that's a great question, Grant. And, and really what happened was, and I tell people this, for the first five years in the business, every single day that I got up, I knew could be my last day in the business. But when I started it, I didn't start it with, uh, oh, hey, I'm going to give this a shot and hopefully it works out. And I also didn't start it with, oh my gosh, if this doesn't work, you know, my life's over. I said, this is something I want to do. This is something that I feel like I have the skill set to do. And I'm going to work my tail off to do it and be successful at it until I can't. And, and I really believed that it was only a matter of time. There were a couple of times when, you know, I, I, my wife looked at me and she said, okay, are you sure this <laughs> you is... thought this through? Yeah, yeah you know, when, when a guy that you... I mean, there's a... I got a, a zillion, you know, your listeners probably think funny stories. They were not so funny to me at the time, but they are now. But like I was leaving town to go sign a guy. Um, actually, there were two players, but one of them was a really good player. And I was I was gonna drive down to College Station. He was at Texas. They were Texas A&M players, and I am just on the outskirts of Dallas. And I get a phone call from one of the guys, and he says, "Hey, I know you're coming. Um, don't come. Uh, this guy from Austin sent a limo for us, and you know we went down there and we signed with him. Yeah. And I literally pulled over and started crying in my car." Because, yeah. I mean, I needed those guys. I was, you know, we were out of money. And, and so I literally said, okay, God, this doesn't seem to be what you really want me to do. And I'm okay with that. So if this isn't it, then I'm ready to move on and do something else. Show me the door. And I got a call the next day from a guy that was just a free agent type guy and wasn't highly regarded, undersized linebacker. And he, you know, he wanted to sign with me and I didn't have to spend any money to you know, get him ready or do any of those things. And he ended up making the team, became a, a very great player, was a all-pro special teams guy. And um, you know, it just kind of kept going. But that's where I think you get sometimes when you're when you're doing your own thing and there's times when you think, you know, maybe this isn't it. Sure. When you talk with uh, people, whether they're just starting their career and they're 20 somethings or even 30, 40 somethings going, I think I'd like to try that thing. What, what advice would you give to them on, on getting into just uh, such a cutthroat business or just a, a difficult competitive business like, like sports management? Well, whenever anybody calls me, the, the, you know, the first thing they always or the first question I always ask is, why do you want to do this? And of course, the first thing they say is, oh, I've always loved sports. <laughs> and, you know, I tell them, what else? And or ask them what else, and they say, "Well, you know, I just think it'd be really fun. It'd be really cool." And and so none of those are the reason to do this. To do this, you really got to be able to to have the right. You know, number one, you got to have the 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 right desire. And my desire was to help young men accomplish their goals and dreams, and to do it in a way where I could help them as men to become better employees, better teammates, better 
husbands, better fathers, and better and humans. Really help them. Yeah. And so, and you know, there's a stereotype that, oh, all athletes, you know, don't have dads and they're all from the inner city and, you know, they're all not very smart. And that is so far from the truth. But there are a lot of, I mean, just in our society today, there's guys in my little town that, you know, aren't being good dads to their kids. And their kids, they're in the home, but they're not really there. I just wanted to help these guys accomplish their goals and dreams. Very cool. Is there anything that you would do differently in just getting started and kind of building up your business? You know, I don't really think so. And there's probably things that that I, I mean, I know there's things I could have done different. You know, one of the things I, I'll just say I, I haven't been great at is being a, uh, boss isn't really the, the best word, but I've had some other guys come in and, and work for me as agents and recruiters. And, and I wasn't, I was never really good at directing them because I'm a self-starter. I'm a guy that says, I'm going to figure it out. And so I expected everybody to be like that. And then sometimes you have guys that think they're that and they're really not. Sure. And they want to be that and they're really not. And so I think I would have probably worked a little bit harder at being a better leader for guys that worked for me. I've had a few guys that were great and some of them that had some success. And then I've had a few guys that were not great. And, you know, one guy that I probably should have cut him loose two years before I did, you know, so I I think that's one thing I would have tried to be better at is, is being a better leader of the guys that, that I had worked for me or maybe just, you know, not brought anybody in. Cool. And I think that's a, just another good point there that, you know, a, a business like this and really any business, you can build however you want. Like there's no specific playbook that this is how you have to do it. So, you know, I'm sure you, that you know plenty of uh, agencies that are these massive conglomerates with, you know, huge staffs and all types of different people that do all types of different stuff. And you've got small, you know, independent boutique little agencies or just, you know, one man bands that do their own deal. And you can set it up any way that you want and be able to build a business or ultimately build a life on, on your terms. So I like the way that you, you know, you kind of set that up for yourself and how you've built your, your business accordingly. So I know that, that even as you alluded to, you know, part of what you're doing is it goes way beyond just what happens on the field, but really about helping people and who they are off the field. And I know that you just recently came out with a book to, uh, to help uh, really men with that and, and becoming just better, better humans and, and better contributors to society. So give us a quick snapshot on what your book's about. Sure. First Team Dad, Your Playbook to a Winning Family is the book. And I, I wrote this book because I saw in myself, I felt like I was a good dad and a good husband. And, and I, I try really hard and I work really hard at being, at being good at both. But I realized um, one day that I really needed to be great. I looked at my wife and my, and my two sons and I thought, you know, God has entrusted me with human beings to love and nurture into who he's called them to be. And, and so good really isn't good enough. And I think a lot of us, you know, we feel, we feel like if we don't mess them up too bad and we keep them safe and we keep them fed and, you know, they know we love them, that it's okay. And, and I, see a lot of, uh, I see a lot of passive parenting where the kids are kind of left to their own devices. And then I see a lot of helicopter parenting. And I think they're just, it's, 
you know, when we, you know this, Grant, when we bring our kids home from the hospital, they don't give us a manual and say, follow these instructions and your kid will turn out great. Sure. And so we're all, we're all doing the best we can. And, and, you know, uh, I just feel like most guys that I talk to, and, and I talk to a lot of NFL front office people and a lot of players and every guy that I know and that I'm friends with, when I ask them the question, are you great? You know, are you a great husband consistently? Are you consistently a great dad? Most guys say, well, I'm good, and sometimes I'm great, and I'm better than most guys, <laughs> you know, but I, not anybody says that they're great. And they say, I say, well, why not? And they say, well, if I knew what to do, I'd do it. And so I don't think I have all the answers, but what I did is I took 30 principles that I learned from football. And they're principles that apply and have parallels to, to being a leader of your home. You know, I feel like our country has slid uh, tremendously from a, a great nation to a good nation as the home has deteriorated. And, you know, everybody knows the problem with the fatherless home. You know, there's, that's, that's exploded and it's, it is a crisis. But, you know, there's a lot of dads who are in the home. You know, I see it. I, I coached select soccer. And, you know, I'd have dads that were at the game, but they'd be pacing the sideline talking on their cell phone. And guess what? Their kids see that. And so I felt like if, if guys who want to be great had some instruction, you know, myself included, I started this. I didn't start off to write a book. I started writing these things down just to do in my home. And I, I saw as I implemented them some success. And, and then I started writing and then, you know, kind of went from there. But it's 30 chapters, 30 principles. I tell a football story that is specific to me, um, things that happen either with my clients or with situations that I've been in. And then I talk about how it parallels to, to things you can do in your home. And then uh, at the end, you know, the implementation is, is the, the key thing is how do you take a theory and, and actually make it happen? Sure. And so I give what I call the game plan, which is three to four bullet points at the end of every chapter that says to do what I just talked about, do these things. Cool. And and I've gotten some tremendous feedback from guys that say, "Wow, it's you know, it's so easy, and it's easy to read because it's you know, you read each chapter in about ten minutes. It really is a playbook." And I, I think my wife and I do it. My wife has has read it, and and she's helping me because it's a team effort. We're trying to be great. In awesome. Our home. Nice stuff, man. Very cool. Where can, I assume we can uh, catch up from your site? So we're, and we'll link up to it in the show notes as well. But where can we find you uh, online, your uh, your agency site, and then on Twitter, Facebook, any of those places? Where can we go? Sure. Well, first of all, the book is available on uh, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, ChristianBooks.com. It's available at um, a lot of retail outlets. But our uh, company website is dp-football.com. And that's DP is in Doman and Pittman. My Twitter handle is DP Football Agent. And then my uh, Facebook page for my book is just First Team Dad on Facebook. And then Instagram is, is also DP Football Agent. Cool. Good stuff, man. Drew, thanks for sharing your story and journey. I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, men and women out there that are salivating at the idea of uh, being a sports agent, uh, even within the uh, the difficult nature of the business. But uh, thanks for sharing your, your journey and story, man. And we will uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Grant, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing. It's, it's so valuable. And, and I know your listeners uh, appreciate it. But, but thank you. 
Cool. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. There you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview with Drew Pittman. As always, you can go to grantbaldoncom slash Drew Pittman, P-I-T-T-M-A-N with a little hyphen in between the names there. grantbaldoncom slash Drew Pittman. You can download show notes, links, everything at all that we discussed today. Make sure that you stop by. You check that out. If you haven't been to the site recently, make sure you swing by. We, we're posting a lot of new blogs and a lot of just uh, good information that you can get. You can get summaries of every single episode in the show. So you can go to, again, grantbaldoncom and check that out. Out. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Drew. Not only is it fascinating, especially if you're someone that's into the NFL or you're into sports at all, uh, fascinating about how someone, how an agent does that behind the scenes. What all, what all is in, what is all is, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I should edit this out, but we're going to leave it. What all is involved in behind the scenes to be an agent? You know, and one of the things that I like is, is he's someone who he's made it in a competitive industry, but he's done it in his own terms. You know, you don't have to be cutthroat and stab people in the back. And just because you think that that's the way that most people do it, especially as an NFL agent. And you may even heard Drew reference it like they could make a lot more money if they cut corners and were unethical. But they just decide not to. They're like, no, no, like our integrity is worth more than making a few extra bucks. And so that's a great, great principle to life. It's a great principle to business is that whatever you do, don't cut corners to get ahead. Okay, you may get up but for you know a season, but long term, it's not, it's not valuable at all. Besides, do you want to be that type of person? Do you want to, I don't know about you. I just, I want to be able to sleep at night. I want to be able to look my, my daughters in, my, in the eye and be confident that I'm, I'm building a business with integrity and I'm doing it the right way and that I'm not being shady and I'm not cutting corners. I'm not being unethical and I'm doing it in, in still a, a competitive way. So uh, great stuff from Drew there. Again, stop by grandbaldo.com slash Drew Pittman. Check all of that out. Hey, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that we're doing a giveaway. And so I want to uh, remind you of that. If you haven't had a chance already, we're doing the giveaway. The drawing is happening, let's see, over the weekend. So you've got till tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, until midnight to register for that. Uh, we'll be doing that drawing. Again, you can go to grandbaldo.com slash giveaway to register for that. Again, grandbaldo.com slash giveaway. Make sure you stop by. Again, we're going to, we're giving away just a, a coaching session with me where we can talk about anything, everything that you would like to, anything that I can do to help you on your journey to find and do work you love. Want to be able to support you on that. All right. I think that's, that wraps up episode 42. Let's put a bow on it. Let's wrap it up and let's pull it out of the oven. Fresh baked knowledge biscuits. Mm, they were good today. So thanks Drew, for sharing your story. As always, feel free to email me, grant at grantbaldwin.com. Tweet me uh, at grantbaldwin. Anything that I can do to help you and support you on your journey to find and do work you love. You are awesome, my friend. Don't ever forget that. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.